Are you a virtual assistant juggling all the things? You know, inquiries, contracts, payments. It can feel a little overwhelming at times trying to keep up with everything, right? Well, meet your new business BFF, insert HoneyBook. Think of HoneyBook as the upgrade your VA business didn't even know that it needed, taking you from beginner to polished and professional in no time. I've been using HoneyBook since day one of my business, and let me tell you, it's been a lifesaver for this busy mom. It's user-friendly, lets you automate workflows, and my favorite part is that it's completely customizable, so it'll look like it's native to your brand. I know what you're thinking. Do I really need a customer management platform? Well, spoiler alert, yes, you do. It's the secret ingredient that's given my VA business a 98% success rate of turning curious inquiries into solid bookings. Now, here's the deal. You can score an amazing 50% off right now if you use the link in the show notes. That's right. You heard that correctly. 50% off your entire subscription for any plan. And trust me when I say your business deserves the HoneyBook Upgrade. Welcome back to another episode of the Millennial Mom Movement Podcast. In today's episode, we are having a bestie chat. And what that means is basically I am going off the cuff, no notes, and I'm just going to tell you guys about what's been going on behind the scenes at the Virtual Assistant Studio. If you've been around here for a minute, you have probably heard me mention that we have been testing out some new and fun marketing strategies. And I am ultra nosy when it comes to marketing and business strategies. I want to peek behind the curtain of everybody's business. And so that is exactly what I'm giving to you today. In today's episode, we are diving into a real behind the scenes look of what it looked like for the virtual assistant studio, our agency for female entrepreneurs to invest in sponsoring a conference. This was our very first time doing this. And so I basically am creating a little mini case study, but I want to break down the experience with you guys, why we decided to test it out and what the results were. All right, let's dive on in. Welcome to the Millennial Mom Movement, a podcast that's all about redefining what it means to be a working mom. I'm your host and business BFF, Amanda Rush Holmes. Each week, we dig deep and reverse engineer how to make money on your own terms. Get ready for inspiring insights, fun chats, and tangible tips to rewrite your success story. Let's dive on in. So over the summer, you guys know that I took a bit of a step back. And when I say a step back, I mean, I didn't take a step away from the business. I basically just thought about, okay, how can I run the business the most efficient way possible and essentially start getting things off of my plate so that I can truly step into that visionary role? And this is much easier said than done. And don't get me wrong. It was a slow 
and steady process. And I'm still very much stepping into this new role that I have essentially created for myself. And also within that new role, we've been able to figure out, oh, we actually need to hire this person and we need to do this and we need to do all these other things. But in that process, I realized that giving myself space to just think Every single minute of every single day wasn't filled with a call or a meeting or a piece of content that I needed to create or something that needed reviewing and the list goes on and on. But because I had that space over the summer months, my kids were home with me. I was working less than 20 hours a week and I was really just focusing on those high level things in the business. It allowed me the space to think about, okay, what do I really want to focus on this last quarter of the year? And where do I want to put my efforts? And so I immediately went to like ultra growth mode and I had to pull myself back and think about if we are going to grow in a sustainable way, what are some new and unique marketing efforts that we can test out that may or may not be successful? And that's the thing about business is like, you have to be okay with knowing that you're going to test something out And knowing that the outcome might be really great or it might be a complete flop. I was actually reading this article the other day and I think this is so inspiring. My favorite online platform to order invitations and cards from is called Minted. It's M-I-N-T-E-D. We always get our Christmas cards from there. You can order customized gift tags and a bunch of other really cool things. And it's also great for gifts and stuff like that. Well, they started out as a completely different company and their company was essentially failing. And it was a last ditch effort that they would try to essentially create these custom cards. And they were like, well, this is the only one thing that's selling. Let's go all in on this idea and see if we can market it. And Here they are years later, and now they have a successful thriving business. And I think that's such a great example of one, being okay with trying things and failing. Know that you're never stuck just because you made a decision once doesn't mean that you have to make it again. And it also means that you can pivot along the way. This is very much the mentality that I have when I approach pretty much anything in business. Now, don't get me wrong. You don't want to like constantly test strategies every other day and be like, oh, that didn't work. That didn't work. That didn't work. Because sometimes you have to give things enough time and space to breathe. And you also have to recognize that a lot of times it's your first attempt. So when I first create something, it's probably not going to be the best. And the second and third and fourth and fifth time is probably not going to be the best either. But the more you do it, the better you get at it. But I do think it's worth testing things in general and holding it loosely, knowing that you may not be able to predict the outcome and it may not be the outcome that you want, but that doesn't necessarily mean that it's a fail. And so I think today's case study is very much going to be an example of that. So I thought to myself, okay, who are our ideal clients for the virtual assistant studio? And I like to think of things for the virtual assistant studio kind of in three buckets because we serve essentially three different people. We have our entrepreneur clients, we have our influencer clients, and then we have our podcasting clients. And don't get me wrong, there's a lot of overlapping there. Like we have influencers that have their own product lines and businesses and podcasts. And so we serve them in multiple ways, but we also have people that are 
just a podcaster or just an influencer or just an entrepreneur. And I don't say just as a negative way. They're just a little bit more niche down and we only support them in that one capacity. So we kind of think of things in these three buckets. And when I'm creating marketing strategies for the agency, I create them with these three buckets in mind. And so for this specific strategy, I was thinking about how can we help funnel people into the virtual assistant studio and also get our name out there because we are a young company. And while we have been growing steadily, we also recognize the fact that we very much keep our head down and focus on our craft and serving our clients well. And that means that a lot of people don't know about us. And that's okay, because to me, that means that there is a big giant pool of potential. And that's a really great place to be. So in thinking about who I would want to funnel into the agency, I had to ask myself some really strategic questions, like which of our services is most popular? Which of our services is most profitable? Which of our departments can handle an influx of clients if that were to happen? Because that could be a really positive income. Let's say 50 people want to work with us. Well, can we even support 50 people? What does that look like? Do we even want 50 more clients? These are some of the things that you have to ask yourself when you're thinking about forming a marketing strategy. So once I kind of nailed down the answers to all of those questions, I thought about how could I get myself in front of the right people or build connections with people who have pools of their own audience that I could pull from. Now, this sounds a little strategic because it is. There are two different ways to essentially obtain clients. You either meet them or they come find you and then you're directly connected to each other. Or one of my favorite ways is a referral. How many times have you tried something or bought something or went somewhere because your friend or mom or sister or husband or whoever recommended it? I know I have. Literally just yesterday, I got a really great cup of coffee at a local coffee shop and I immediately told my sister who also loves coffee as deeply as I am, I'm pretty sure I can probably blame her for my addiction. I was like, Jenna, you have to go try this coffee shop. Oh, and by the way, they're having this event and we need to go. And that is a great example of that coffee shop did not pay me to talk about their product, but I essentially referred them to a friend and she's a coffee lover. So now they not only have me as a client, but they're probably going to have her. And then she's probably going to tell like all of her friends at work. And then they're going to go too, because it's right down the street from where she works. So that's a great example of how powerful referrals can be. So I kind of had a twofold strategy. I was like, one, I could get directly in front of people. And two, I could think about people with these essentially referral pools that I could tap into. And when I say tap into, I mean serve wholeheartedly, assuming that it's a really great match. Obviously, not every single person is going to be the perfect client for the virtual assistant studio, but that's why we were strategic in thinking about, okay, who is the right client? Where are they? And how do we get to them? And as much as I love the online space, there's something really unique about getting to talk to somebody in person, even if it's for five minutes and it's a casual conversation, because you can immediately build trust with someone. You're able to see them in person, see their facial reactions, meet them, shake hands with them and build rapport. And it takes so much longer to do that when you're online. So I thought to myself, okay, we need to meet these people in person. Where are these people at? They are probably attending high ticket, high level conferences. So I asked myself, 
what type of conference would I want to go to? Do I want to go to a really big conference? Do I want to go to a small conference? Do I want to go to a local conference? Do I want to travel? And it just so happened that a friend of mine is friends with Jordan Gill. And Jordan Gill was hosting her very first conference called Make Your Mark Live. And the reason that I thought this was a great opportunity is a couple of reasons, actually. One, it was live as in in person in Dallas, Texas, but there was a virtual component. So for the person that maybe couldn't travel or it wasn't in the budget, they could purchase the virtual ticket and they could still attend the conference and get all the value from it and interact virtually. And then there was the in-person component. So with that, another reason that I decided to invest in her conference specifically was the type of audience that she has and the type of audience that she draws. Jordan Gill herself is a more established business owner, which means she shares more high-level strategy, which also means that the people that she knows and the people that she attracts is going to typically be on a very similar level as her. Some might be higher, some might be lower, some might be just starting out. But for the most part, you're going to see more seasoned entrepreneurs, which is typically going to be this ideal client for the virtual assistant studio because we need somebody that has a clear strategy, a clear plan, and we can help support them get there. What we don't need is somebody that might be just starting out, isn't super clear on things, and probably isn't ready to hire because they don't have a budget yet. Nothing wrong with that. That's just the reality of knowing who it is that we serve and how we want to get in front of them. Another reason that I love Jordan Gill's conference is that it was capped at around 200 people because the actual facility itself could only hold so many people. And while some people might think of that as a negative thing, I actually thought of that as a really positive thing because I was like, okay, I have two and a half days. I can meet everybody in that room. But if there was 2000 people, no, I could not meet everybody in that room. Even if I tried, even if I brought my whole team, that would be really hard. And so I thought about, okay, what's going to make the greatest impact for this conference? Do I go as an attendee? Do I do the virtual one? Maybe I establish myself as an expert and I sponsor it. And so listen, this is exactly what I did. There's no shade. I'm just going to put it out there. I sent a pitch email to Jordan and I was like, hey, I'm friends with your friends and we've never met, but I feel like we know each other. And it's funny because we've talked back and forth, but basically I was like, here is what I would love to offer your audience. I think it would be really great value. And I would love to support you in your mission because I genuinely believe in what you're doing. And I think it's amazing. And guess what? She said yes. And not only did she say yes, but she actually ended up coming on board as a client. So we're now supporting her in her podcast. We are able to serve her audience. And it's just this really beautiful relationship. And she also just happens to be a really great human. So that's kind of leading up to how we decided on the conference and what our game plan was. Now, I'm going to give you guys a little bit of backstory of the fun, juicy details about the conference. When thinking about the conference, I thought about, you guys know I'm the Pinterest mom. I'm like, everything needs to be branded. It needs to be fun. It needs to be exciting. And it needs to be interactive. So that is exactly what I wanted to bring to this conference. Now, I'm based out of Atlanta, Georgia, and the conference was in Dallas, Texas. So logistically speaking, I could not DIY a lot of the things that I normally would DIY if the conference was in Atlanta or even like somewhere within driving distance, like Nashville or Florida or something like that. 
That was not the case. I was not driving to Texas. We were definitely taking a plane. So I decided to take one of my team members with me. So she came with me so that she could help me just with the logistics of things and make sure that if we had a few people at the booth, there was somebody that could talk to everybody and just help me serve our people really well. So we decided since it was in Dallas, Texas, that we would need a really fun theme. And the majority of the people at this conference were female. So we really leaned into the fact that our colors are like pink and orange and fun. And we landed on a cowboy disco theme. Sounds really crazy, but the booth was so cute. You can head on over to Instagram and check it out. I have a bunch of pictures and I actually just posted a reel too. It's at Amanda Rush Holmes. And as much as I would love to be like, yes, I did all of this. No, I definitely hired a company, which is a whole nother story in itself. It took a lot of digging on the internet to be able to find a really great company that could help us set up the installation. But the whole process was so fun. So I essentially went over to Pinterest and I actually searched birthday themes because I wanted to see what was trending because typically whatever's trending, it's really easy to find things that go along with what's trending, like pens and stickers and like fun swag stuff that you could buy in bulk and it wouldn't be super expensive because it's trendy right now. So that's how we landed on the cowboy disco thing because of course it's Texas and Western stuff is in right now. And it was so easy to get like cowboy hats and cowboy boots and like cute disco balls and all the things. So we very much leaned into that. And then we had everything branded with the virtual assistant studio. We did lots of fun florals. There was like cactuses. There was velvet couches. I mean, it was a whole thing. And the reason that I wanted to do that was twofold. One, you guys know I'm competitive, so I need to be the best at everything. It's something wired inside of me. I'll probably need to work through it at some point. But for now, I accept who I am. And I wanted to have the best booth. I wanted to have the booth where people wanted to come and hang out and take pictures and share it on Instagram because then not only does everybody remember us at the conference, but they're sharing it on their Instagram because it's cute and they want to take pictures by it and they're tagging us. And that helps expand our reach to other people that may not know our name. It also makes a really great lasting impression. And let's face it, it's fun. Like a conference is supposed to be fun. Like why not make it cute? So we hired a really great company. Their name is DFW Floral Wall, and they're based out of Dallas, Texas, but they'll do installations anywhere in the United States. We essentially sent them my plans, my Pinterest board, all of our branding, our fonts that I came up with for the conference. And then we did a quick little mock-up in Canva of kind of what I was thinking. They went back and forth with the design process, sent me some alternative versions. They even sent me like rugs and couches to pick from and chairs and decor, arches, all the things that you would want. And I told them what I had in terms of swag so that we can display it since we would be giving that away at the conference. And they integrated all of it even better than I could have imagined or definitely done myself. So for sure, we'll be using them again at future conferences, but I was so pleased. And the best part was all I had to do was come and supervise. And I had a few small things that I did like wrap water bottles with our branding and put pens out and stickers and like seam some t-shirts and bags but that was it. Other than that, it was super low maintenance and I didn't have to stress about it. And that was the best feeling because I wasn't tied up trying to create this entire installation and I could go mingle. And mingling is priceless, my friends. Now, have you ever heard the phrase that your net worth is your net work? That is true. Every person that you know and you meet knows like five, 10 plus other people that can introduce you. And it's all about connections and building relationships. This is true no matter what industry you're in. So it's really important to think about, okay, 
what type of people would I benefit from knowing? What type of people do I want in my network? And that's not to say that you're going to use every person. There are plenty of people that I'm like, we will probably never work together or I don't see us working together. That doesn't mean that we won't. But you're a really cool human and it's great to know you because also you might know somebody else that might end up being a great business connection in the long run. Like you just never know. That allowed me the opportunity to do that. So we flew in to Dallas. (laughs) You guys, our travel day was so crazy. I'm going to tell you a really fun story really quick. So I had one of my team members with me. She's based out of Atlanta. So I picked her up at her house. We're like driving down to the airport. We have plenty of time. We live probably like 45 minutes from the airport. There's like no traffic. We're like, oh, we're, we're good. We've got so much time. Like we stopped and got coffee. We're having a fun afternoon. We get to the airport and we go to park. And there's a bunch of different parking decks around the Atlanta airport. So it's a giant airport. It's international. There's no parking. We go to the parking deck and they're like, it's full. I'm like, okay, it's fine. No big deal. We'll go to the South parking lot. We go to the South parking lot. Sorry, this parking deck's closed. We're like, what? The entire parking deck closed. Yeah, it's full. I'm like, okay, where's the next parking deck? They're like, go to the West one. This is the third one and final one, by the way. So we go to the West one, which is like offsite. You have to take a tram in order to get to the airport from that one. We're driving around it. It's super high tech. Like it tells you whether the rows are full or not. And they all say one. And I'm just going to tell you right now, none of those rows had empty spots on them. They all said one and they should have said zero. And it was very stressful. And by this point, we had circled around the airport so many times that we had wasted almost an hour's worth of time. And now we're an hour out from boarding, which sounds like, okay, that's plenty of time, but we haven't even parked or gone through security or walked to our gate yet. So I'm kind of freaking out Uh, internally, of course, because you know, like I'm the boss, so I got to keep my cool. But I'm like, it's going to be fine. We're going to find a spot. Eventually, after driving around for like 20 minutes, I finally see somebody pulling out. I like put it into reverse, like whip it back. And I'm like, yes, there's a car coming towards me. Do I care? No, I'm like, this spot is mine. And so we got the spot. But it was a very funny experience. I'm like, how crazy would it be if we miss this flight? So we end up getting on the flight all as well. The flight is like a little less than two hours from Atlanta to Dallas. It took four hours. We were in the air for four hours. Why? Because we got to Dallas early and then there was a storm. We had to circle around Dallas for two hours. Meanwhile, the day before, my husband, he watches these shows that like straight up give me nightmares. And he was watching this show about how planes were just falling out of the sky, more so over the oceans, but it was happening. And what would happen is there would be a system malfunction where It would say that they had fuel, but they didn't have the fuel that it said that they had. And then the plane would run out of gas and it would fall out of the sky. And he's telling me this story the day before I get on this flight and I'm on this flight and our sweet pilot is like, all right, guys, we have about 30 minutes left and then we're going to run out of fuel. So we're going to have to go um, land in Austin, which is like three hours away from Dallas. So I'm like already logistically thinking like, what are we going to do when we land in Austin? Do we Uber for three hours? Do we get a rental car? Like what? I have no plan. I'm like, what is happening? Do we get on another plane? I don't know. I'm like kind of freaking out, but I'm like, you know what? It's going to be fine. And it was an evening flight. So at this point, it was like almost nine o'clock. So we finally ended up landing just in the nick of time before we ran out of gas. You guys, a plane running out of gas. Like what? And all was well, but we did not get back to the hotel until like one o'clock in the morning. So good thing we flew in on Tuesday. Wednesday was setup day. We actually got to meet a few of our team members who are based out of Dallas. And no lie, that was the highlight of my trip because getting to meet them, we've worked together for a really long time and they do such an amazing job. And we talk every single day on Slack. 
But getting to see them in person and even like their little ones that they brought with them, oh, it was honestly the best. And like, and now I have a goal to do some sort of a team meetup with everybody on the team. Hopefully that'll happen in 2024, but it was awesome. So then we did brunch with them. We went and set up. Then there was a cocktail hour the first night with all the attendees at the conference. And that was fun. You guys know I don't drink. So obviously I wasn't drinking, but I have my fancy water. And then Thursday and Friday were the conference. And the conference was amazing. We met so many great people. We learned a lot about what we would do, what we would change, how to essentially be more strategic next time, what worked, what didn't. And it was a really fun experience. And overall, I feel like it was 100% worth it. I also am really excited about some of the connections that we made because we met some really awesome people doing some really cool things. So I hope this little case study encourages you to think outside of your box. One of the things that I did when I was mapping out, okay, what is this investment going to look like? What does this investment look like from a monetary standpoint? And then what would need to happen in order for this to be a success? Most people would think like, oh, I'm going to invest X amount of dollars. So I need to get X amount of clients to see a return on my investment. And that is true. But sometimes you have to understand that your investment isn't always tangible on the front end. So we may not see a return on investment immediately with clients within like the next 30 days. It might be a six month return. It may be a year return. But sometimes you can't put a price tag on, like I said, your network and building those relationships. And I think it was also a really great learning learning experience for myself and my team of what worked, what didn't, what we would change next time. Is this a viable marketing strategy for our business? And I think the answer is definitely yes. I think we would tweak some things next time. But I think that one, we had a lot of fun doing it. Two, I think it gave us a lot of really great knowledge. And then three, I think it honestly was just fun. And sometimes you need that in business. You need to get out of your element and you need to be inspired. And it kind of sparked some really creative ideas during the trip for me that I'm excited to execute in the agency. I'll keep you guys posted on those as we work through them and execute them. But overall, I think it was a huge success. So If you guys are like, man, I really need to get outside my comfort zone. One, I encourage you to come to the free summit that is happening this week. It is Mom Ignited. It's Brie and Joanne from No Guilt Mom Podcast. They're good friends of mine. And I'm going to be there. I have a presentation. I'm doing a live q and I'm inside of the virtual community. But I'm also excited to introduce you guys to a whole bunch of my other fellow mom friends because there are some amazing women inside that community. And it's really just encouraging and uplifting. And yes, there's some fun business stuff mixed in there, but there's a lot of just like lifestyle stuff around health and wellness and mindset and really just being the best version of yourself. So I think that's a really great place to start, especially because it's free and it's online. So you can just listen or watch the presentations and recordings on the go. But I would also encourage you to look and see what in-person events might be local to you where maybe you don't have to travel and they're not super expensive, how you can build community in your own way and how that might be beneficial to your business. Okay, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode and I will see you guys next week. Bye for now. You just finished another episode of the Millennial Mom Movement Podcast. And because I know you're a mover and shaker, here's your action item. Snap a screenshot of this episode, share it over on Instagram, and tag me at Amanda Rush Holmes. 
Each week, I'll pick one person and send you a Starbucks gift card on me as my way of saying, hey, thanks for hanging out with me on the regular and being a part of this incredible movement. See you next week.